We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. I'm happy to, of course, be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Monday, April 25th, only a few days away from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. And it is that time, Yusei, it is time for, as we get into our last episode here before the start of this draft, our final mock draft for this draft cycle here. It's a really exciting episode coming up for you guys today. But before we get into our mock drafts today, Yusei, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited. It was a lot of fun putting the mock together this morning. Got the NFL draft kicking off later this week. I know the Bears don't have a first round pick this year, but I think there's just so much intrigue surrounding this class. And you know what? I think it makes this NFL draft so interesting is the fact that you look at the last two NFL drafts, 2020 and 2021. I mean, those were quarterback heavy drafts just in the sense that what happened with the three QBs basically dictated how the first round of the draft shook out. And there was kind of a domino effect this year because it's not a strong quarterback class, but it's a really strong edge rusher class. It's a strong offensive tackle class. It's a strong wide receiver class. I think for the first time in what feels like forever, you're seeing the edge rushers just kind of dictate how the top five is going to play out and just what effect that's going to have. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this draft plays out because I really don't know how this could go because there are a variety of different directions this draft could take just based off of how the top of the draft plays out, where the quarterbacks go, like you said, you know, what's the strategy there? How are teams going to view this quarterback class? Are they going to reach for these guys early on or are they going to wait to address these guys later on in the draft? And, you know, just the fact that I feel like because it is such a deep draft, especially in the middle rounds here, teams are going to have a, a bunch of different evaluations for all these guys here. Like guys that are um, going in the third round teams could have viewed as first round talents teams that uh, guys that go in the first round 
could be seen as day three type guys for a lot of teams. So it's just a, a lot of fascinating stuff here, a lot of moving parts. But, um, you know, we could talk all day about what's going to excite us for this draft here. But I think we have to get into our mock drafts today as we get into these mock drafts for the Chicago Bears here. Um, our last mock drafts of this draft cycle. We did one earlier on in the offseason where we didn't do any trades, anything like nothing like that, just strictly there are mock drafts where we selected at each spot the bears had at the time and, you know, kind of just went with our best approximations of what we think would be best here. Um, but this time we decided to go all out here using at least myself. I used a PFF mock draft simulator, which in my opinion is the best mock draft simulator around. Like I know some people might question like where the rankings are at. I mean, that's the case for all mock draft simulations, but you know, in terms of having a full grasp of, you know, what the draft is like, you know, trade value, um, you know, you can change the sliders and whatnot. I, I, I just think PFF does a really nice job with their mock draft presentation there, which is why I use it so often. Um, and then, yeah, so I mean, we did um, just basically going full out here. Um, but before we get into our selections, you said, um, I want us to talk about our general strategies going into this, these mock drafts and what we were trying to accomplish here with these drafts, because if you don't go into a draft, I think as an executive with a strategy in mind about how you're going to address certain positions or how you're going to play the board, you know, in terms of, you know, if certain players are there for us at this spot, can we look to trade down? Um, if we do trade down, what areas of the draft do we want to maybe try to get picks in and, and so on and so forth. So you said, um, I'll go with Hugh here. You know, what was your general mindset um, going into this mock draft and what were some of the things you were trying to do here um, to address certain positions or, or fill certain needs here? I think my strategy was predicated on having an all-around strategy. And what I mean by that is just how are you maximizing the value of each pick? And I know some of the scenarios people are going to look at and say, okay, well, they're not really really realistic scenario simply because it is a mock draft simulator and you know anything can happen in the real world when it comes to the NFL draft but my whole strategy was how do you kind of match valuation to evaluation I think a key principle of both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus but then also how do you go about just maximizing the value of the respective positions but also the respective pick and I think number three the biggest thing of all is just prioritizing what your needs were and were certain needs more important than others. And, you know, I don't want people to get confused about something like I truly believe that wide receiver and offensive tackle are two needs that are atop the bears list right now that the bears are going to have to address on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But also I think what really matters is just the fact that how you go about addressing those needs, you know, are you picking a wide receiver and an offensive tackle first in the second round, are you going wide receiver OT? Are you going OT wide receiver? Do you believe that this is a draft where you can go OT, OT, then wide receiver with your first three picks? Do you believe you can go wide receiver, wide receiver, offensive tackle? So, you know, my strategy was predicated on just getting those long-term building blocks as well. And just really being able to look at the board and say, Hey, what are the best prospects right now that are going to give the bears a chance to succeed? And, you know, this is something I did in my mock draft too, is that if there was a more talented prospect, let's say, but I felt as if OT was a bigger need. I easily went with the offensive tackle simply because for the Bears, I mean, it's important to get back to the fundamentals. And I think, unfortunately, under Ryan Pace, you know, Bears fans just got so conditioned to developing this habit in terms of when it comes to the draft. You know, if we don't pick the best player available, we don't pick the freakiest athlete on the board. 
we don't pick the guy who was a superstar in college, then our draft is not going to be, be complete. I think with Ryan Poles, you're going to see complete 180 in terms of that approach. Yeah, for, for me, in terms of what my strategy was, I really tried my best to put myself in the mindset of um, Ryan Poles here and his coaching staff in terms of what are they looking for to fill out this roster? You know, what needs do they want in this roster? What players are going to fit what they want to do offensively and defensively? And how can we fill in those needs, um, you know, throughout the course of this draft? And of course, um, you know, you talk about Ryan Pace and Bears kind of being Bears fans being kind of conditioned to some of the things that he did over the past few years. I think one of the things that Bears fans are conditioned to are you know, is the idea of you know trading up every year in the draft. That you know, at some point, the Bears are going to trade up in the draft to get their guy, so to speak, because you know Ryan Pace had a habit, a really bad habit, of doing that every single year. I mean, we've seen we've seen a, a ton of chatter, for instance, of you know, you know the Bears you know, going up and trading for Chris Olave in the first round, if he, you know, somehow falls to late twenties or something like that, which I think would be a terrible idea, you know, for a variety of reasons, which I won't get into, but um, you know, I kind of tried to blend my, my thoughts on, you know, I, I think the strategy this year for the bears should be a to look to, you know, especially on day two of the draft, really try to emphasize going best player available on offense. Like that can mean addressing wide receiver. That can mean addressing the offensive line, either tackle or interior offensive line. How, I mean, even a tight end, if there's a really, you know, a true receiving threat at tight end that can create mismatches for you, you know, going with the tight end, obviously running back, I think the bears are pretty much good at that spot. I wouldn't want to spend a day two pick at running back anyway, but at some of those other skill positions and offensive line, I think, you know, that's really where the bears should be looking at here on, especially on day two of the draft. Um, does that mean the bears are going to be addressing offense with all their day two picks? No. And as we see, when we get to my mock draft, that wasn't the case with my mock draft. I had a de one defensive player go on day two because I do think Irufus, you know, there is a certain position he wants to really address here that he wasn't able to in free agency, which I think Bears fans may know. We talked about it quite a bit in this podcast, um, and especially on Twitter. We've heard a lot about how this certain position is very important for Irufus's defense, which, again, I'll get to uh, in just a second here. Um, but just in general here, again, um, you know, trying to trade down as much as possible, emphasizing the offensive side of the ball early. And then on defense, trying to get guys with, you know, high level physical traits that Iberflus and this coaching staff can coach up, especially on day three. Uh, you want to take flyers on guys that have, you know, that boomer bust potential to them um, late in the draft, because, you know, with this new defensive coaching staff coming in, it is your hope that, you know, these coaches can get the most out of these players and really maximize their potential here. And on defense, the name of the game, especially in this uh, defensive scheme, um, is speed to the ball, um, sideline to sideline speed, physicality, all that stuff there. So if you can get guys that can fill that need for you, um, that is a, a, an even bigger plus. So like I said before, uh, before we get into the picks here, we did have trades for this mock draft as opposed to our last mock draft on this podcast where we didn't do trades. So before we get into the specific selections here, you said, uh, let's go over the trades that we did make in this mock draft here. Um, I had three total trades here. Um, so you said, I'll go with you first in terms of what trades, how many trades did you make? And then overall, what selections did that leave you with after um, you filled out all your trades? Yeah, so 
And I've long said this, that the 39th overall pick is without a doubt going to be the Bears' most valuable asset just because it is the highest pick. But I think you also factor in that the Bears are picking here with the 39th overall pick. They're picking in basically the top half of round two, right? Which is, I believe, should be the seventh overall pick in round two. So there's going to be quite a few teams that could be wanting to move up for a cornerback or an offensive attack or even a wide receiver. Now, whether or not the Bears should move out, depending on how the board falls, I think is an entirely separate discussion. But for the purposes of this mock draft, I trade out of 39 overall with the Arizona Cardinals, and I acquired picks 55 in round two, as well as pick 87 in round three. So what that did was basically give me the four top 100 selections, right? I got 48 55, 71, and 87. And then rounds five and six, I kind of just stayed with what the Bears already had, which is 148, 150, and 186. Now, I will say this, that I was really enamored and I really liked the return that I came away with as a result of making one trade. But for the actual NFL draft, you know, I would say that it would be smart for the Bears to explore trading down from 39 or 48 but then also look to see, hey, that 71st overall pick, which again is owned by the Bears, what draft capital can that net you, especially in round four? And I think it's so critical because there's teams such as the Ravens and Patriots that have multiple compensatory picks that have kind of shown in the past, hey, we're not going to use all those picks. So let's go ahead and let's trade them. Let's wheel and deal. And I think if you're a guy like Ryan Poles in this type of draft, those third, fourth round picks are going to come so in handy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of had a similar mentality with my trade downs. I wanted to get as many picks in that late third to fourth round area as possible because there is a lot of good depth in the area of the draft. Now, like I said, I had three total trades here. Um, I'll go over the first one. The first one I had was with the Pittsburgh Steelers who moved up to get a quarterback in this mock draft simulation because uh, as it turns out in this mock draft uh, scenario, the Pittsburgh Steelers did not get a quarterback in the first round. So they ended up trading up for um, Sam Howell here in the second round to jump frog or leapfrog, I guess, the Seattle Seahawks and Atlanta Falcons who um, have needs at quarterback as well. So in that trade, uh, I ended up moving back to 52 in the second round, giving up pick 39, because like you said, that 39th pick is going to be extremely valuable, I think, if the Bears want to use that 
as a trade asset. They could get a ton of value, I think, there by moving back from that selection. There's still going to be a ton of talent on the board when they pick at 48. That was kind of the mentality that I had uh, with my draft selections. You know, trade back at 39, stick at 48, and then go with the best player available there. So in that trade the Steelers, I got, obviously, the 52nd overall pick in the second round. I got a third-round pick at pick 84 and a sixth-round pick at 208 in exchange obviously giving up the 39th overall pick. And I had to give up one of those fifth round picks to kind of even out the value there um, at pick 148. So that leaves me with only one fifth round pick instead of two fifth round picks, but I'm getting a third round pick and an extra sixth round pick in return. And then later on, I ended up sticking at 48, but at 52, I decided I wanted to trade down again because there was a position I was looking to fill for the Bears there, but there were a couple players on the board I kind of had graded similarly there. So I felt like I could get some even more draft capital um, and, you know, get one of the guys that I think could fit that role for the Bears a little bit later. And he's, he's a defensive player, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, so I ended up trading with the Atlanta Falcons here, of course. Ryan Pace is working in that front office as an assistant, um, I think, front office executive. So we know Ryan Pace loves his trade-ups in the draft. So he ends up working with his um, former team here. Um, in that trade, I end up moving back to the 58th overall selection in the second round, getting a fourth-round pick at pick 114. And uh, swapping six-round picks with the Atlanta Falcons, where I gave them 186 in the sixth round in exchange for 190. So basically moving down four spots in the sixth round um, to get an additional uh, fourth-round pick from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and then I had one more trade uh, in the third round uh, because, you know, with that 84th pick in the, dra- uh, in the, in the third round there from the Steelers, um, again, there, it was a situation where there were a, a couple of players that I really liked, but I felt like I could move down a little bit to get an additional um, – you know, day three pick there in the fourth or fifth round. I ended up moving down with the Buc- uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, who had the 91st overall pick in the third round. So moving down about seven spots there. Yeah, seven spots there. Um, in that trade, I ended up getting pick uh, 133 in the fourth round and uh, a seventh round pick at pick 248 in exchange for obviously the 84th pick and my sixth round pick that I picked up from the Steelers at pick 208. So all in all, my picks ended up being going from uh, six picks to nine picks. And then in terms of what picks I had left, um, that left me with two second round picks at 48 and 58, two third round picks at 71 and 91, uh, two fourth round picks at pick 114 and pick 133, a fifth round pick at 150, a sixth round pick at 190, and a seventh round pick at 248. So I absolutely love getting that trade value there. And I'll kick things off for us in terms of getting to our selections here. So I'll start off with uh, my first second round selection, and that's wide receiver Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. And I think when looking at Watson, um, Obviously, there is a lot to like about his game, especially as an athlete. This guy is an outlier athletic prospect in terms of what you're looking for at the wide receiver position. He's he's tall at six foot four, six foot five in that range there. I think he's about 210 to 215 pounds. So he's got some weight on him as well. He's got long arms. And then obviously four, three speed in the 40 yard dash, pretty good agility numbers that he showed in his testing. And, you know, while his production wasn't off the charts at North Dakota State, um, just because they they played in a very run-heavy offense there. Um, not a lot of chances for him to really show out and put up a ton of, you know, gaudy wide receiver numbers there. Uh, this guy was a really good deep threat at the FCS level. He showed that the senior role that he could hold up against higher levels of competition um, against NFL caliber cornerbacks you know, there uh, down in Mobile. And, you know, I, I just like really how he fits in this offense here. You go, you look about, 
you look at Luke Getze coming over from the Green Bay Packers, what is one player that um, really thrived, I think, over the past couple of years um, was Marquez Valdez-Scantling for the Packers there. I think Christian Watson, his floor is Marquez Valdez-Scantling in terms of being that taller boundary threat on the, on the uh, outside at your wide receiver position. Um, kind of playing X, but you can kind of move him around to different areas as well. Um, but just an exceptional deep threat who can use his speed to get down the field, has a really high catch radius. I know one of the issues with Christian Watson was drops and um, tracking the ball um, at, at North Dakota State at times, which was, those are issues with Marcus Valdez-Scantling as well, by the way. So kind of similar prospects right now in terms of those um, areas that need to be worked on, but uh, the speed is there. The work ethic is there. I think Watson is an exceptional blocker as well, which is important for this game because I think the Bears are going to want to run the ball quite a bit and having a wide receiver on the outside that can block like Christian Watson and really set the edge for you in the run game. I think it's going to be incredibly important for um, how they manufacture this run scheme there. So Christian Watson was my pick in the second round. I think um, he's going to be a nice fit. Uh, who was your selection in the second round or your first selection in the second round, I should say, um, at the 48th pick? Well, you hit it all on the head there. And, you know, again, we've been doing this podcast so long, so we kind of have a feel for what each other's selections are going to be. But mine was also Christian Watson, round two, 48th overall. I think what's so important to understand, I'm not going to do a deep dive into Christian Watson because you just went over him. But what's so important is to recognize and understand that the best teams in the NFL identify that there's a certain position on the roster that may have some talent, but they want to continuously add to that talent and just make that positional group among the best in the NFL and really just make it a monster as Lions general manager Brad Holmes described it. So for me, Christian Watson was an incredibly easy decision. You know, you talked about the measurables. He's about six foot five, 210, just the big frame that he has. He's going to come in. He's going to slide in right next to Darnell Mooney and I think Byron Pringle as well, alongside Cole Komet. I think that when you have Komet and Watson on one side, you got a taller wide receiver like a Byron Pringle and then a guy who's like 5'10", 5'11", like a Darnell Mooney with that speed, it's really going to open up the vertical passing game for the Bears. And Christian Watson's also, in my opinion, such an intriguing case study because had he had an opportunity to really produce at North Dakota State, there is no doubt in my mind he would have been talked about in the tier ones of this draft class in the sense that with the Jamison Williams and the Chris Olaves and the Garrett Wilsons and the John Dotson. So I think just overall what you're getting with Watson is someone that has some of the highest upside of any of the wide receivers in this draft class. And I think that, you know, we're going to look back at this draft in a couple of years. And I think in redrafts, people are going to have Christian Watson as a top three wide out that goes off the board. Yeah, certainly the upside is there with Watson. I think that's why he's such an intriguing player. There is some, you know, boomer bust factor to him because you don't really know quite how well he's going to translate from a lower level of competition. Again, the production wasn't fantastic in North Dakota state, but I think the bears, I think we both agree that they're going to see the traits that Watson has. And I think they're going to really like how he translates to not only this offense, but also how he fits with Justin Fields as a deep ball threat um, to fit Justin Fields, who is an exceptional deep ball passer as well. And with that, that brings me to our second, second round selection for me. That was at pick 58 after a couple of trade downs there. And this was a position where that I was hinting at a little bit before that I wanted to address. And mostly because, you know, while 
if I were in the Bears, I wouldn't necessarily put so much emphasis in this position. But I think this is a this is a spot that Matt Eberfuss really wants to emphasize uh, for his defense there. And, and that's that three-tech role for this defense. We saw early in the offseason how the Bears, you know, on the first day of free agency, they went out there and they got Larry Okunjobi. Didn't work out because he ended up fa- failing a physical. Uh, but, you know, they made an aggressive move to sign a three-tech in free agency that just didn't work out for them. And now they still have a hole there. You know, I know they signed Justin Jones, who's a little bit more of a run-defending guy, but they really don't have that three-tech pass rushing guy um, to fill that role. And so with the 58th selection here in the second round, um, I end up going with someone I think that does fit that role, that style of play to a T, and that's defensive lineman Perry on Winfrey out of Oklahoma. Uh, Winfrey is a guy that, you know, inconsistency and you know just some struggles at Oklahoma in terms of the fact that you know not the greatest run defender in the world he can um, be pushed off his spot at times but you look at what he brings to the table as a pass rusher there's a lot to like in terms of putting him in that three tech role in Eberflus's defense a guy that can get up the field in a hurry uh, he does have ability to uh, convert speed to power and bull rush into your offensive alignment into the back court into the uh into into the into quarterbacks laps basically and he does have multiple pass rushing moves to get to now how he goes about formulating a pass rush plan to use those pass rushing moves and counters you know it's going to take him a little bit of time i think to really maximize that ability there is again some boomer bust ability with him because of the inconsistency he had at oklahoma um and just the fact that i think he's a player that's going to naturally just be a streaky guy in terms of he's going to have some hot stretches where he's going to be making a ton of plays in the backfield, but also some cold stretches where um, he's just not very impactful out there. But again, Eberflus is looking for a guy who fills that three tick three technique role for this defense. It, it is an extremely critical part of this scheme. And, you know, if they don't have that, according to Eberflus, again, I disagree with this slightly, but according to Eberflus here in terms of, you know, some of the tea leaves that we're reading here in terms of what I'm seeing, um, this is something where he's going to want to emphasize here. And Perry and Winfrey, um, there were a couple of guys here that I was considering. Uh, Logan Hall uh, was there at 52, um, and he ended up being gone by the time that after I traded down to 58, he was gone by the time I got to 58. So um, it was really between those two in terms of addressing this position. Winfrey, I think he's a better natural three tech than Hall, although Hall is a better player in my opinion. But again, I end up going with Winfrey here because I think he is a fit for this defense. He's a player that I think the coaches. Uh, are going to love in terms of what they can, you know, hopefully get out of him. And if he does, you know, end up getting maximized with his coaching here, um, I think you can have a really impactful player in the interior because, you know, the Bears, you know, he's they haven't had that impactful pass rusher, I think, in the interior. Um, obviously, Akeem Hicks was a menace in the interior, but he was kind of different in a way because Perrin Winfrey is more of that penetrating style of defensive tackle that can, you know, just use his quickness and speed off the ball to get into the backfield and penetrate gaps uh, while as Akeem Hicks just was just an, use overwhelming strength and power to get to the quarterback and slowly uh, push his way into the backfield. So they really haven't really had that, um, you know, quick explosive pass rushing threat in the interior since a guy like Tommy Harris for the bears. I don't know if Winfrey will ever be uh, that type of player because Tommy Harrison's prime was, you know, a first team, all pro caliber, you know, top five defensive tackle in the NFL type of guy. But um, if he can, if, if the coaching staff can get the most out of him, there is a lot of upside here for Winfrey to be in a really, a really exciting player here as a second round pick. And he's a local Chicago kid too. He went to Lake Park High School, born in Maywood, Illinois. I know that he spent 
one or two years at a community college playing at the JUCO level before transferring over to Oklahoma. So they were in consistency and struggles on tape with a guy like Perry on Winfrey, but I think that there is a lot of upside there too, to warrant making him a second round draft pick. I know that it's interesting because going into the draft cycle, Perry on Winfrey and DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M were amongst the top two defensive tackles. Things obviously change, but I still think that there is some high regard in NFL scouting circles for a guy like Perry on Winfrey. For me with the, second second round pick that I had I actually decided to go ahead and go on offense again so I chose Abraham Lucas offensive tackle from Washington State now I think that a lot of people have him ranked as a late mid to late second rounder possibly even an early third rounder but what makes Abraham Lucas such an intriguing prospect is just the length that he brings as well as the size I mean he's about six foot six or six foot seven, about 330 pounds. So size and arm length are certainly not going to be an issue. You see someone who's a mall in the run game, his anchor needs some work, but I also think that a lot of these offensive tackles that are coming out of college, they just have to get better when it comes to anchoring because they are playing bigger, stronger defensive linemen. They're playing bigger, stronger pass rushers. But what makes Abraham Lucas stick out so much is just the physicality that he showcases in the run game is just so key because the Bears do have two really good running backs in David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. And so ultimately for them, you know, the Bears, I think, are going to be a run-first offense, like you've mentioned a couple times before on the show. And so Abraham Lucas makes sense. I also think that Lucas's mobility sticks out. He's able to get to the second level. So just watching his tape at Washington, I thought you saw someone who – was he a freakishly good athlete? Absolutely not. But he was a good enough athlete to the point where he was able to put on solid, well-rounded performances week in and week out. And, you know, for the bears, when it comes to selecting some of these offensive linemen, I think that being the athlete, being a freakishly great athlete is obviously a valuable trait that all 32 teams want, but just having someone who puts consistency on tape really matters. And, you know, I look at Ryan Poles in Kansas city, they selected a mid round, draft pick by the name of offensive tackle Mitchell Schwartz. Now, what was so interesting about Mitchell Schwartz is that he was never necessarily the freakiest athlete on the field, but he always did the little things right, such as winning with technique. And I think that's something that we have to keep an eye on here as the Bears do select OTs on day two and hopefully day three of the NFL draft here. Yeah, I think Abraham Lucas is a guy that's seen a lot of, I think, He's seen a lot of rising up draft boards over the last month or so because I think he tested a lot better than uh, people thought he would in terms of at the NFL scouting combine and as pro day, you know, he tested a lot more athletic than I think he was given credit for at Washington State. Um, you know, there are some interesting things for him to build off of. He's kind of, he was kind of considered a late day two, early day three prospect, I think going into that time, but I think he's a lot to go in the second, a lot to go in the second round as well. And you know, I, one of the things that impresses me about Abraham Lucas is I, I think he looks pretty natural in his pass sets in terms of his kick slide. That's one thing that has me intrigued. There's a lot of work there for him going forward, like the technical aspect of things with his hand usage and all that stuff. Um, he's going to be, he needs to be worked from the ground up. And um, it, it's interesting um, because he is a, a right tackle by trade. So is he a guy that you move to left tackle? Does he stick him at right tackle, move Tevin Jenkins back to left tackle? Those are all interesting questions to kind of ask there with a guy like Abraham Lucas. But, you know, 
if he hits there, again, I, I have no issues with addressing off the tackle. You can never have too much talent there, in my opinion. And with that, you have a young trio of guys to hopefully, you know, hope they can put it all together with Tevin Jenkins, Abraham Lucas, and Larry Borm there at that tackle spot. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's get into the third round here after going past these second rounds. Now, we both had two third-round picks after trading down here. So you say it, I'll go to you. Um, who are your two third-round picks here um, with, obviously, that trade down you made early in the draft? So let's go to your two third-round picks before we get to mine. Yeah, so my first third-round pick was, I think, one of your draft crushes. And I think you probably have him selected too, but it's Cole Strange from Chattanooga. Look, the Bears need to figure out what they're doing on the interior of the offensive line. Okay, you know Lucas Patrick's basically a lock to start at center. We've seen reports coming out of training camp that Cody Whitehair is once again working as left guard. We've, I'm sorry, not training camp, but OTAs and stuff. But Cody Whitehair has been working at left guard. Sam Mustafer, the Bears brought back this offseason he just wasn't successful at playing center last year so now he's back as a right guard possibly even as a depth piece if he did slim down because the bears were running a power run game last year and that just was not sam as different fit but you know i went with cole strange here i think you look at his wealth of experience that sticks out 44 starts over like three or four seasons the size is certainly a major factor he's about six five six six i think that you know the 44 games he started, a lot of those were at left guard, about 41 of them, but he's got experience playing at left tackle. There's some experience playing at center too. So there is positional flexibility, but I think for the purposes of the NFL draft, he is going to be solely an interior offensive lineman. Now you look at him, you know, you just see the physicality and the aggressiveness show up in the run game. Okay. He is able to move defensive linemen off the line of scrimmage with such ease. Like Cole Strange is just one of those players who, he makes everything look easy, okay? Now, in terms of the pass protection, right, there are times where his hands are kind of placed too high or placed too low. They're too far inside. He may grab onto defensive linemen and edge rushers at times, but I also think that being at the next level, if he's especially playing in the interior, that necessarily should not be an issue with him. So I just think Cole Strange overall being from, you know, somewhat of a smaller program compared to any of these other, some of these other offensive linemen, he is just a pretty good um well-rounded prospect that I think is going to be a long-term building block for the Bears. And then at my next third round pick, which was 87th overall, I took another wide receiver that a lot of Bears fans seemingly really love, but I just see the talent and potential with 
Khalil Shakir from Boise State. You know, you look at Khalil Shakir, I don't think we're talking enough about the vertical threat that he is, especially what he would do next to a player such as Darnell Mooney. You love the quickness. I love the long speed that exists. He is, I think, a monster when it comes to yards after the catch, the ball in his hands. You know, he's able to, I feel like, make something special happen. Now with Khalil Shakir, he needs to go ahead and just expand his route tree. I think some of that just comes with when he does get to the top of the routes, he's not necessarily the most dynamic, but he can certainly expand his route tree. And then his hands are pretty solid as well. So he doesn't create, you know, when it comes to Kalu Shakir, he's not the best separator in the world. He certainly has some issues with that, but I also think that the speed that he brings is worth noticing. And I would say this, that Khalil Shakir is not going to open up Bears camp as, you know, a day one starter, but he's certainly a good enough wide receiver three right now, a wide receiver three or four in an alpha offense going into his rookie season that he can develop into a wide receiver two, which honestly, if you're the Bears and you can get a guy like Khalil Shakir in the third round who develops into a wide receiver two over the next two seasons, that's solid and phenomenal value. Yeah, we had a uh, similar strategy here in the third round as I also went with an offensive lineman and wide receiver as well. Um, in terms of the offensive lineman, you hit the nail on the head. My guy, Cole Strange, was there for me at 71, and I absolutely jumped on the chance to get my guy, Cole Strange, here. Um, again, I, I love Cole Strange. Um, I have a second-round grade on him. If you want to read my full scouting report at the Bear Report on him, um, I definitely recommend that to our listeners here if you want to get my full thoughts on the guy. But, um, you know, just – Everything I think that this front office is looking for, Cole Strange uh, embodies in terms of, you know, he's a little bit lighter of an offensive lineman, about 307 pounds at six foot three, I believe. Um, but, you know, just a very, very good athlete on the move, has the ability to get out in space and make blocks on linebackers. And he plays with an edge and toughness that I think um, is really going to translate well to this offensive line. You know, you add a tough guy like Tevin Jenkins last year, you get another tough guy in here like um, Cole Strange in the draft, and your offensive line is starting to look pretty good. This guy, you know, he's got a polished game. He was, I think, a five- or four-year starter at Chattanooga. Even though he's playing in smaller competition, every single time they played against Larger competition, especially in the SEC. I went back and watched his game against Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. And the guy just, I mean, he stands out um, every single time you put on the tape there. So um, I love his fit in this game. I think he uh, jumps in right away at right guard for you. He has the flexibility, I think, to play center. Um, if Lucas Patrick were to go down or if they see maybe Cole Strange as a long-term long center there. Um, but you know, there's just a ton to like about Cole Strange's game. I think he's a day one starter. I think he's a guy that has a ton of upside as well because um, he tested really well at the combine. He's, he's a great athlete that I think is very overlooked. And um, you look at that interior there, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, uh, Cole Strange. I, I think that's a very solid interior to build around there. You have Tevin Jenkins at right tackle then, um, you know, Obviously, he wasn't able to pick a left tackle in this class, but, you know, let's say you have Larry Borum there, or maybe you go out and sign an Eric Fisher on a one-year deal uh, to maybe fill out that offensive line. Uh, this offensive line is looking starting to look, you know, pretty decent going forward uh, with that group going forward. So um, I liked that pick there at 71 as well. And then, again, for my wide receiver pick at 91 after trading down from 84 um, after my trade down with the Steelers, 
Um, I end up going with wide receiver Danny Gray out of SMU. Um, he's a little bit of a different skill set than Khalil Shakir, um, who Shakir, he's more of that traditional um, shifty slot wide receiver who can make a bunch of plays after the catch once he gets the ball in his hand. Uh, Danny Gray is a, a another guy who's a pure deep threat in this class, but I think he has the potential to offer a little bit more to the table. He was a player that I thought was criminally underused at SMU and their offense there. And um, I think he just brings a ton to the table that would be exciting for this Bears offense. Um, like he's got a ton of buzz. If there's any player that's going to be proven to be as a day three pick, the next Darnell Mooney in this class. Um, Danny Gray's gotten a ton of uh, comparisons to Darnell Mooney because I, I wouldn't say they have quite similar games because I think uh, Darnell Mooney was a little bit more shiftier and had the ability to change direction was a little bit of a better route runner than Danny Gray is right now but in terms of being a great deep threat in terms of having you know good ball skills uh, yards after the catch ability um, there is just a ton to like about his game and I like the um you know, I like double dipping in the drafts here, especially a wide receiver, especially with guys that have similar skill sets that fit what the Bears are looking for here. And again, I, I think they want to get guys with speed. I think they want to add more playmaking and explosive ability to this offense. And Danny Gray, again, likes, like Christian Watson, he fits what Justin Fields does well. And that's throwing the ball deep. You have now with this wide receiver core after these last couple of draft picks here, you know, you bring in Brian, Byron Pringle and free agency, you know, Darnell Mooney is probably going to be your number one guy going into this, but now you got a big physical X wide receiver that can take the top off of a defense and Christian Watson on the outside. You got Byron Pringle in the slot and Danny Gray can kind of come in to compete for that number four wide receiver as someone who can play on the outside. He can play in the slot a little bit. He can take the top off, off of the defense and then he can take some of those shorter routes underneath if you can scheme him open and take it to the house because this guy can absolutely fly. He's got four, three speed. Um, I just, I love everything about Danny Gray. I have an early fourth round grade on him. So this may be a little bit of an overdraft based off of um, where I think I have him graded where a, a lot of other people have him graded, but um, you know, I, I just think he's a solid pick at the right time. There wasn't anybody else on the board at other positions. I really loved that much more. And I think, again, the bears are going to try to add some wide receiver talent in this draft. And he was the best wide receiver available for me at pick 91. So I went with Danny Gray. Um, absolutely love him, love his game coming out as SMU. And this would have me feeling a lot more excited about this bear receiving core going into this year, although it's probably going to take a little bit of time, I think, for uh, this young group to gel going forward. So that brings us to day three of the draft here, um, where things start to diverge for us a little bit as we have a different number of picks here. So look, we're going to go back and forth here as we get through these picks. So um, I'll go with you, you said, for, uh, again, your next uh, pick selection here on day three so for me rounds five and six i opted to just stand pat but you know round five 148 overall i went with edge rusher tyreek smith from ohio state now i want to say something is that i do believe trevis gibson robert quinn are going to go into the year as the starting edge rushers for the bears but also i think that that group is a group where you do need to add someone in the draft i know guys such as Charles Stone and Sam Kamara are still on the roster, but you necessarily can't go ahead and really bank anything on them, even though Charles Snowden was drawing comparisons to Leonard Floyd and slipped out of the 2021 draft because of a foot injury during his final season in college. A lot of people had him graded as a fourth or fifth round pick. But what I like about Tyreek Smith, I think, is just the versatility that he brings to the table, right? I think that he can play all over the field. I think that, you know, his, he was actually best in Ohio state as 
lining up in the two or three point stance. Now you look at him, you know, I think that the production last over the last couple seasons at Ohio state may have not translated over the stat sheet, but I thought that on tape, his impact was still felt, you know, he's got pretty good length for, a mid-round draft pick. I believe his measurables are coming in at, um, you know, six foot four, 265 pounds. So right around the height and playing weight that a guy like Khalil Mack played out, not saying that Tyreek Smith is in fact Khalil Mack, but the point is, is that, you know, Tyreek Smith is just a player overall that I think is really smart. You just see him make the right decisions. Obviously he can afford to get better when it comes to being a run defender. I think that as a pure pass rusher there is some high upside there and I think that you know the effort and just motor that he plays with there's one word to describe them which are relentless I love a lot of these mid-round Ohio State edge rushers that kind of declare for the draft you know everyone wants to talk about Chase Young, Nick and Joey Boza. But listen, there's been a couple of guys like a Sam Hubbard, who I believe was a second or third round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, Tyreek Smith's another name that comes to mind. A couple of these mid-round guys that obviously go on to have long, productive NFL careers. And so Tyreek Smith's a name that when the Bears do eventually move on from Robert Quinn, Travis Gibson has a big year. You know, I think you're looking at possibly another future starter here at the edge rusher position. But for 2022, just a rotational piece. Yeah, I think you can never go wrong addressing pass rusher. And again, I think Bears fans may be, you know, maybe saying, you know, oh, why go with an edge rusher here? You know, we don't really need an edge rusher here. We have Robert Quinn. We have Travis Gibson. We just signed an edge rusher in free agency. But, you know, again, I don't think Robert Quinn is a long-term part of the plans here for the Bears. So I think if you can get another edge rusher here, especially on day three at that value, especially Tyreek Smith, too, I, I like much more than a fifth-round pick. Um, I think that's a good value there in the fifth round to get a guy with his level of upside at that edge spot where he does have some speed off the edge. He does have a nice mortar off the edge and it's just about rounding out his game so he can be a complete overall player. Now for me, I had two fourth round picks here in uh, on day three as a result of some of the trade backs um, at pick 114 and 133. So I'll just go uh, through those right now. And for me at 114, I had cornerback uh, Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State, um, a small school uh, prospect here, but um, somebody who's a little bit of a project at this point in time, but the athletic uh, athleticism and the measurables are off the charts here with McCollum. He might dra be drafted higher in this draft just off of that alone. Um, just a, a freak show athlete here, you know, six foot two, 200 pounds, um, has 32 inch arms. And ran a 4-3-40 in the 40-yard dash of the combine. He, he lit it up um, in every single testing drill you could possibly imagine here. Uh, this guy is an exceptional athlete. Uh, he plays physical. He plays hard. And he's one of those players that I think he kind of fits the mold of what you're looking for, I think, on day three if you are going to address defense, which is you take a chance on a guy that has physical tools to work with. You take a chance on a guy who has a ton of upside. And you just kind of hope that, your coaching staff can maximize his ability. Obviously the bears, they have a need at cornerback. You have Jalen Johnson there on the outside. Um, you know, they ended up signing Tavon Young to come in and be the starter. I would imagine in the slot spot, but um, that other outside corner position is looking pretty weak right now. There's, you know, there's Thomas Graham fill that, fill that spot. I don't think you want to go with Kendall Vildor again, certainly after the struggles he had last year. And Iberflus is a player is a uh, defensive mind that does value having size and length on the outside um, 
in his defense there at cornerback. So Zion McCollum, he has that. He's got athletic ability. Um, and there are a lot of good reports about his work ethic and leadership as well. So uh, bring him into the building, see what you can get out of him, see if you can coach him up and maximize his potential. Uh, I love that fit in the fourth round early there um, to get somebody with some upside like Zion McCollum. Again, even if he doesn't contribute right away, um, he's someone that I think the Bears coaching staff could really do a nice job of developing here in the fourth round um, to be an eventual starter down the line if his development does work out in his favor. And then with my other fourth round pick here, I got one of the funnest players in this draft for me, and that's uh, tight end Chikosium Okonkwo out of Maryland. Now, while he's listed as a tight end, that's not really the role that I see him uh, filling um, in the NFL. He kind of fits better that classic H-back role for this Shanahan style of offense, kind of similar to a Cal Juszczyk of the San Francisco 49ers, except I think Okonko has a little bit more talent as a receiver to uh, run a full route tree for, I guess, I guess a full route tree for a tight end, but I think he's, he can do a lot more things in the receiving game for you while as Juszczyk uh, is a, it, it truly is a weapon for you in the run game as a blocker with everything that he can do on the move um, in the run game there. So Okonko, um, I don't think he fits best as, you know, a traditional inline tight end. I think he's way too small for that. I think he's what, like six foot two, 248 pounds or, or something like that is what he measured at the combine. Like this guy is tiny for a tight end. He's not really long. So using him in line, I think you're wasting his ability. He's a much better blocker in the run game when you can get him in space as kind of like that fullback or on the move in the slot. Um, bring him in motion a little bit and then just have him use his speed and power to just pile drive linebackers and seal off edge rushers um, in the run game for you, get him out in space a little bit. Like this guy is definitely a willing blocker. Um, he wants to be physical as a blocker. He just doesn't really have the physical tools to do it at times, but if you're using him, as kind of like a hybrid fullback, which I think is what his role would be in the bears offense. He could be a very fun player in the run game for you. And I think he's got a ton of potential as a playmaker as well. Like this guy is a legit receiving threat. He's got, he's a legit threat um, after the catch. Um, like Maryland was even doing like handoffs to him, using him as a running back at times. Like this guy has special ability after the catch. He's fast. I think he ran a four or five forty um, at the NFL scouting combine, which is really good for a tight end of his size. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a deep threat in the seam for you as a tight end, but that's not what he's used for. You know, use him over the middle of the field, use him, on you know boot plays where you get him out in the flat and just let him use his speed to his advantage um again you can run him on wheels you can run him down the field a little bit in the middle of the field like chicosium uh, Aconquo is a really fun player i think he's a perfect scheme fit and I, I just like the potential of adding him to this offense here where you just added these deep threats for your offense here now in this mock draft scenario with uh, Christian Watson, Danny Gray, you have Darnell Mooney on the roster. So you got guys that can stretch the field vertically. Uh, Aconquo is a perfect player to bring in here who can kind of take advantage of the, op of the, of the open space that you're uh, creating for you yourself in the passing game where he can take the ball underneath and create some yards after the catch with the ball in his hands. So I like Aconquo in the fourth round. He's a really good value here as well. So those are my two fourth round picks. As for your other fifth round pick, who'd you end up selecting at pick 150, you said?
Yeah, so with pick 150, I went ahead and selected Josh Joby from Alabama. I think that Josh Joby had his fair share of problems, but you look at the Bears over the last couple seasons. I mean, in 2019, they added Duke Shelley. 2020 was Kendall Wilder. 2021, it was Thomas Graham Jr. Now, I do see that trend continuing here just for the franchise overall, knowing Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams' track record of developing Cornerbacks, I certainly would not be surprised to see the Bears add someone to push some of those guys that are going to go into training camp on the roster bubble, like a Duke Shelley, like a Kendall Wilder, possibly even you could argue Thomas Graham Jr. Now, when you look at Josh Shelby, I mean, he's about six foot, six feet tall, about 185, 190 pounds. You know, he is one of the bigger cornerbacks in this class. There's no doubt about that. You know, there are times where you can see him playing on the boundary and you certainly see someone who could possibly even start at the next level. But I think what really hurts Josh Joby a lot of the times is that he is overly aggressive and that over aggressiveness comes in the form of just grabbing wide receivers that are going to go past him, which at the NFL level is just going to lead to more flags than ever simply because the game favors offensive players but then also he's aggressive when it comes to tackling to the point where he's just overly aggressive to where he's actually missing tackles and so when you look at Josh Joby overall I think that he's not going to be a day one starter but certainly as a good depth piece who could push some of the guys that are already on the roster but but then also possibly develop into a really good player. I think that he certainly makes more than enough sense. And so when we look at Joby overall, again, like I said, one of those where you're not necessarily getting a day one starter, but you are getting a player that is going to be physical and someone that could thrive in man coverage. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Yeah, for me at 150, I went with defense as well. And that's getting another athletic project here for this coaching staff to work with in Damone Clark out of LSU linebacker here. Um, Clark is a fascinating player because this is a player where I'm taking a chance on talent here and hoping that, um, you know, that the injury risk that he has doesn't really come into fruition here because uh, Clark, he is not going to play uh, in the 2022 season because he's having a spinal fusion surgery. So uh, very scary injury there. You know, it's one of those things where, you hope that he can come back strong and, and play at a high level again. But in the fifth round here at pick 150, um, I think that's a perfect chance to take on a guy like Damone Clark because without that injury, Clark would for sure be a day two pick, if not an early day two pick, because this guy is a freaky talent at the linebacker position. Um, look at his measurables here, six, two and a half, 240 pounds, 33 inch arms here in a four, five, seven, 40 at the NFL scouting combine, he had a 36 and a half vertical. Like this guy is explosive. He's fast. He's big. He has the ability to play physical at times. 
Um, there was a ton of inconsistency on tape for him at LSU. So, you know, is he a guy that can maximize that? I don't know. Um, but there is a ton to work with here at the linebacker spot. Again, like I said, he's going to take a couple of years. You don't even know what he's going to be because of that spinal injury that he has. You know, can he get back to being what he was before um, as an athlete there? And, you know, who knows? Maybe he isn't that guy. But I just think he's one of those players where you have to take a chance here if you're the Bears on somebody. You can't go safe with all of your picks here. And on day three, that's the perfect chance to take a risk here on a guy like Clark who has that upside. You look at the state of the linebacker here for the a linebacker position for the Bears. Obviously, Roquan Smith, you're probably planning on keeping him long term, but he's going into the last year of his contract. Um, you you signed um, uh, Nicholas Morrow on a one year deal this offseason, but again, he's not really a long term piece because he's only on a one year flyer contract as well. Linebacker is going to be a bit of a need for this team, I think, going into the future. And if Clark hits for you. Um, assuming that you re-sign Roquan Smith and maybe Nicholas Morrow works out for you and you keep him, now you have three linebackers that are athletic, that are physical, that can run silent on the sideline, that can cover a little bit if Clark can maximize his potential there. And even if Clark cannot fulfill that role as a starter there, maybe he can contribute on special teams and really make an impact there because of that size, speed, and physicality. So I took the chance on Clark there in the fifth round. Let's get to your final pick here in this mock draft. You said, who'd you pick in the sixth round? Yeah. So in the sixth round, it's interesting because, you know, I was just looking to see, Hey, what exactly is out there? But I also kind of kept the offense in mind. So round six, pick 186. I went back to Ryan Pohl's college days and I selected center Alec Lindstrom from Boston college. Now, one thing I think to understand about Alec is that, He's whatever, six foot three, six foot four, right underneath, right there at about, you know, 295, 300 pounds. He is a multi-year starter. So the experience is not an issue at all. The measurables are going to dictate that he's not strong enough to play center yet, in my opinion, in the NFL, but he certainly will be a pretty good left or right guard. Obviously has some family members in the NFL, but you know, when you look at Alec Lindstorm overall, you know, physicality, He's got some physicality to his game. He's always trying to be the first player to finish off a defender. When you look at him, you know, pretty decent anchor ability, not great by any means. Okay, you know, power at the point of attack and then some pretty good hand technique, too. So when we look at Alec Lindstrom overall, he's not going to be a day one starter. There's certainly something to work with, but I just think that, you know, the Bears over the last couple seasons, and really I want to say this, is that it wasn't just the Ryan Pace era. I thought it was true throughout the Phil Emery era, which lasted about two years. I thought it was even true throughout the Jerry Angelo era, which lasted basically an entire decade. The issue with this team has always just been since the turn of the century building up a deep, well-rounded, solid, versatile offensive line. You know, the Bears haven't had that. And so I think with a guy like Alec Lindstrom, you are getting someone who can play left guard or right guard if you give him the opportunity to do so. Obviously, in college, he was only limited to playing center. But, you know, there's some traits there and some limited upside there to work with to the point where hopefully he develops into just an average or above average starter, which I think is okay value for a player that's going to fall all the way to the sixth round. 
Yeah, for my final day three selections here, I had a pick at, uh, in the sixth round at 190 and one it's, uh, in the seventh round at pick 248. So at 190, I ended up addressing special teams with punter Matt Areza, um, who, you know, he has the biggest leg in this, in this draft for punters. Um, absolutely can kill the ball off the foot there um, as a punter. I'm not going to spend too much time because he has a punter there on him, but um, he had an historic season at San Diego State. Um, in 2021, he's the best punter in this draft. And the Bears, after letting Pat O'Donnell leave in free agency, they do have a bit of a need at punter. So um, I don't think taking a punter late on day three in the sixth round is a bad thing, especially with some of the other needs that have been addressed in the mock draft I, I put together here. And then in the seventh round, I took another swing on the offensive line, and that's Austin DeCoulis out of LSU, a tackle prospect here. Um, he played right tackle. He's a starter for four years at LSU. So an experienced player. He's got 34-inch arms. He's got decent athleticism, but nothing great there. At the end of the day, like he's a seventh-round pick. Um, I'm not expecting too much from a guy like him, um, especially at that point in the drafts. It, you know, you're really just hoping that Teculus <clears throat> can develop a little bit, that his experience can help him out to where he doesn't look lost on an NFL football field compared to a guy like Latavius Simmons, who when he played for the Bears in his one game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he just looked like he just did not belong on an NFL football field. And you hope that's not the case here um, with Dakulis here. And, you know, let's say he does hit and he maximizes potential, you know, all you're hoping for really here is that he competes with Larry Borum to be that swing and tackle piece for you uh, long-term here. And if he doesn't, you know, maybe he's practice squad depth. And again, you know, if you have an emergency, hopefully he can hold his own um, at either tackle spot for you, or even if he has to kick inside at guard, that's really all you're looking for at this point in the draft. And again, it's a seventh round pick. So, you know, it's never a bad thing to take a flyer on offensive lineman, especially on day three of the draft. So with that said, I, I feel like we um, both feel pretty good about our mock drafts here. You say before we kind of start wrapping things up here, let's go through our selections one more time. So you say Go through your total mock draft um, that you put together here uh, just one more time for our listeners who've been following along real quick. Round two, pick 48, I had wide receiver Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And then after a trade down, I received round two, pick 55, and round three, pick 87 for the Arizona Cardinals. I traded away the 39th overall pick. So with the 55th overall pick, I took OT Abraham Lucas from Washington State. With the 71st overall pick, I took interior offensive lineman Cole Strange from Chattanooga. With the 87th overall pick, it was Khalil Shakir from Boise State, the wide receiver. With the 148th overall pick in round five, I took edge rusher Tyreek Smith from Ohio State. Round five, pick 150, cornerback Josh Joby from Alabama. And to round it out, sixth round, pick 186, I took interior offensive lineman Alec Lindstorm from Boston College. Yep, and as for me, um, I started off by trading down at 39 to pick up some extra draft capital. Um, at, at the 48th pick in the second round, I got wide receiver Christian Watson on North Dakota State as well. After trading out at 52 to 58, um, another trade down there, I ended up getting defensive lineman Perry on Winfrey in the second round out of Oklahoma, defensive lineman, uh, like I said. And then in the third round with two third-round picks um, at 71 and 91, um, I ended up getting Cole Strange, offensive lineman out of Chattanooga, and wide receiver Danny Gray out of SMU in the fourth round. Because of those trade downs, I had two fourth-round picks. Um, I ended up using those on cornerback Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State and tight end Chicozium Aconquo out of Maryland. And then in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round, respectively, 
I ended up drafting Damone Clark out of LSU linebacker at pick 150. At pick 190, punter Matt Reza out of San Diego State. And then in the seventh round, I picked 248, Austin Deculus out of LSU offensive tackle prospect there. So um, those are our final mock drafts for the 2022 NFL drafts. Like it is exciting. You said we are officially like here. The, the draft is right around the corner. Um, there's really not a ton left to talk about other than just, it, it's just crazy that we're at this point here in this draft cycle. It's felt like it's gone on for a very long time, but I am just really, really amped up to get to the draft here on Thursday. So uh, before we wrap up this podcast today, um, is there anything you're anticipating here? Because the Bears don't have a first round pick um, on Thursday night. So we're going to be left out of the fun, probably assuming that the Bears don't trade up into the first round as Bears fans. But is there anything you're looking forward to here or anything you think could maybe surprise us as um, we're looking forward to this first round on Thursday night? here as we look forward to the 2022 NFL draft. Absolutely. I think there's going to be a couple surprises. Now we've seen some of the rumors that have come out from green Bay and, you know, the Packers and Raiders apparently are trying to put in agreement in place. That's going to allow the Packers to trade for tight end Darren Waller. Again, that's put out there by Aaron Nagler. So I don't know how true that is, despite the fact that Aaron is someone that certainly has his sources. He's been on the Packers beat for a while, but I think that's something to look at as it could possibly shake up the first round. Could the Packers be sending some of the same draft capital that they gained in the Devontae Adams to Las Vegas trade back? And then you're also looking at, you know, there's just so much I think is going to go on because I don't think a quarterback's going to be overdrafted. You know, the general consensus around the league seems to be there's going to be three or four that go in the first round, maybe three at max. But I'm looking to see where Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, goes because so much of the talk in the top 15 has been dominated by the cornerbacks, the offensive tackles, as well as the edge rushers. But my bold prediction is that I think Kyle Hamilton is going to slide to the mid to late first round and someone is going to get the steal of the draft and is going to have the best safety in the NFL for years to come. Yeah, I just, I have no idea what to expect with this first round. It's really one of the few times where I really generally, genuinely don't have any idea how this is going to go because there really isn't, you know, a set, pick here to look at here especially at the top of the draft like the number one overall pick we have a ton of intrigue about which direction will the Jacksonville Jaguars go you know are they going to pick Trevon Walker at number one overall do they go with Aiden Hutchinson do they go on the offensive side of the ball like there are a ton of different directions they could go there and you know just looking at how these teams could be valuing these guys differently um, it, it's going to shake out differently I think than what we anticipate here and especially when we get to the quarterback class I think all eyes are going to be on the Carolina Panthers, because I think they're going to determine how the rest of this draft in the first round plays out um, with their decision here on, do they take a quarterback such as Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or, you know, Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter, any of these guys in the first round at number six overall, or do they look to, you know, address another position and address quarterback in the trade market with Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield on the market still. And, you know, how much chaos would that create where you have these quarterbacks like Malik Willis falling now in the draft to teams like, you know, do the New Orleans Saints want to move up to get a quarterback? Do the Pittsburgh Steelers want to move up? Uh, there are a ton of different options here to 
go forward and look at this thing here. I know that I'm just really excited to finally get to sit down and watch the draft and um, discuss the draft live, whether it's on Twitter or, um, you know, whatever we end up doing here at the Bear Report here to talk about all the different things going on. So it's going to be a very exciting weekend overall, talking about the NFL draft in general and seeing what the Bears can come up with here. Certainly, I hope that if they can get a similar product, not similar production, but if they can get a similar um you know, haul that we've gotten in our mock drafts, I think Bears fans would be very happy um, with what we ended up getting here today for both of our mock drafts. I'll, I'll definitely say that with confidence for sure. So um, let's wrap it up here. I think this is a good time to end this episode of the Pips for Polls podcast. Um, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in once again. Uh, make sure to like, rate, review um, to all to our podcast on all podcasting platforms. It really goes a long way towards um, building the brand of the Picks for Polls podcast here. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Polls. We're going to be doing a ton of stuff throughout the draft in terms of, you know, updating what's going on with the draft here uh, for the Bears in terms of getting our takes out there on the Bears. And, and speaking of getting our takes out there on the Bears draft, uh, you say it all good to you. Where can our bear, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, so you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. You can also check out my work on the Bear Report. And then myself and our publisher, Zach Pearson, we are going to be doing a live stream on day two of the 2022 NFL draft. So that's going to be Friday, April 29th. We're planning to go live at 3 p.m. Central, which is 4 p.m. Eastern. So we'll have the StreamYard link and everything updated for you guys on the website. We're going to tweet it out to our Facebook and Twitter account as well. So so just keep an eye out for that. I know last year when we did the live stream, you guys had a lot of questions about who's best available, who's some prospects the Bears should avoid, who are some players that you did not foresee falling all the way into round two. What should the Bears do here? Should the Bears trade back? So we're going to be on, guys, for like a good 30, 45 minutes, probably even an hour just answering all your questions. So definitely tune into that because it's going to be, I think, one of the most comprehensive NFL draft breakdowns that you're going to find going into day two. And it's going to be one of the most updated as well. Yeah, definitely make sure to check out the Bear Report on YouTube for that live stream there. Um, that was fun doing that last year um, when we went through day two of the draft and you know going over the excitement about what the Bears could do there. Um, I, I'm unfortunately not able to make it this year, um, but I, I think it's going to be really fun for you know all Bears fans who are looking to get some extra uh, draft takes in there um, before day two t- kicks off on Friday. Definitely check out you say it and Zach doing that on the Bear Report YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe to the Bear Report YouTube channel because we have a lot of stuff coming up um, on the YouTube channel for the Bear Report after the draft concludes this upcoming weekend. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25 and get my takes on, on the Bears and the NFL draft there um, throughout the week um, as you know, we lead into this draft here and throughout the course of the weekend as the draft plays out. Um, as for my work in the Bear Report, uh, make sure to check out. Uh, I went through and I did a two round of mock drafts for every NFL team, putting myself in the mindset of every general manager for all 32 teams. Um, that's up on the bear report. That was actually released today. So that was a lot of fun to put together. Um, it took a while because, you know, just thinking about, um, putting yourself in the mindset of every NFL team and going over every scenario, um, of what is the best possible move for every team. It's exhausting at times. And it, it definitely took some time to 
put together a two-round mock draft that I felt satisfied with that I think could make sense for when we get to um, draft day on Thursday and Friday for that. But, you know, when we get to there in hindsight, it's probably going to look completely ridiculous in hindsight because you never know what's going to happen in the NFL draft. And I, I'm glad that's the way it is because it makes things extremely entertaining when we get to draft weekend. It makes things extremely fun to talk about. And I just hope that this upcoming draft is just as entertaining and bonkers as the last couple of drafts we have here. And that, and I hope that we have a ton of to talk about here the next upcoming weeks as we recap the draft. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm hoping that the bears come over with a good haul here in Ryan Cole's first draft running the Chicago bears here as a general manager. It's an exciting time for bears fans. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. You say it and, um, you know, we'll see how this ends up going um, as we get through the weekend here. But without a further ado, I think it's time to wrap it up finally. Uh, once again, thank you to our Bears fans and listeners for tuning in. Bear down, Bears fans. Prepare yourselves for a very stressful and exciting weekend, hopefully. And we'll see you guys next week to break down uh, this upcoming 2022 NFL draft for the Chicago Bears. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.